I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. The Michigan defense is absolutely taking over in the Rose Bowl Alabama so far does not have an answer to generate any offense. And a game that's going to be about adjustments. We'll see which juggernaut adjusts first. It's Cavino and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. He's Kevin Figures. I'm Jason Fitz. We're sitting in for the guys. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There was a, a significant moment, Figgy, in the last series. Two two straight plays for Alabama. The first was clearly a missed assignment by the offensive line. Michigan comes in absolutely unblocked and just destroys Jalen Milrow. But maybe even more significant to me, that sets up second along. Milrow drops back as the pocket is collapsing around him. He bends over early and essentially just concedes the sack. It's like he's feeling the pressure that's coming to him rather than even have the time to try and make anything happen. This speaks to the dominance of the Michigan defensive line. It's a 7-7 game right now, but Alabama has not been able to really generate anything. No, you look at Alabama's first few possessions, three and out. They got the touchdown because of the fumble, the muffed punt and a short field. They got the 34-yard touchdown run. But after that, three and out, three and out. They've absolutely done nothing offensively. And one thing we talked about going into this game with Alabama, they've really made their hay with explosive plays because Jalen Milrow is not going to sit back in the pocket and pick you apart. They want their home run hitters. They want to drop back and throw the ball deep. Well, if you don't have time to throw, you're not going to be able to make hay offensively the way that Alabama wants. And if Jalen Milrow is having you know happy feet back there in the pocket and breaking out before plays can develop downfield, 
That's the Jalen Milrow we saw the first month of the season, and that's bad news for Alabama. Yeah, and, and there's a moment here where I want to be human for it. I don't know what else he's supposed to do right now because sure. every time he gets, every time he drops back, he's just getting absolutely decimated, right? Like we know that, but you've got to figure out a solution for that. They're going to have to figure out some way to get more protection back there to try and keep Milrow upright because let's be clear, to your point, it's a 7-7 game. But the 7-7 portion of it is more defined by the mistakes that Michigan has made so far. The muff punt you mentioned almost had a pass picked off early. There's been just – Michigan's been a little out of sync, but Michigan's still in this game at 7-7 because their defense is just unstoppable. Yeah. I, I just – I think it's really stunning to see the explosiveness with which they are controlling the line of scrimmage. It's really surprising. You know, and look, we knew that they were stout up front, but, you know, again, the, the level of competition that Michigan played against this season was under question for a lot of people. You know, playing against – top SEC opponent who's been battle-tested, who's played a phenomenal schedule. You just didn't necessarily know what to expect from Michigan, but so far, you know, they've they've answered the call really on both fronts. They've more than held their own on the offensive front as well. They haven't, you know, moved the ball up and down the field, but certainly the one scoring drive they did have was, what, a 10-play, 70-yard drive. They've shown that they have the ability to sustain a drive against this Alabama defense, something the Tide has yet to do so far. I mean, let's be real, too. If you're thinking about Michigan and you mentioned they haven't played anybody, I, I can't scream this loud enough. Michigan just gave the blueprint most teams are now going to use moving forward. Yep. Like, what is the incentive, especially because in the playoff expansion era with the mega conferences coming, what we end up with is more conference games, more big games. It gives you less opportunity to just add something. And if you're going to add something, you want to add filler, right? Like, so I'm not sure what the incentive is for many teams to want to schedule Texas, Alabama next year when you think about the fact that that one loss can be the thing that keeps you out of the college football playoff and the schedule are going to be so difficult in the expanded conference situation yeah. that I, I just feel like more teams are going to do what Michigan did. They're going to feast on cupcakes and then just take care of their own conference and hope that they can stay undefeated. This was a fundamental flaw in the playoff metrics when they first built the 14 playoff before we even expand to 12 next year because one thing you could have easily baked in who you plays and who you schedule, who you play, I should say, and who you schedule matters. You know, you can't go out there and schedule UNLV, who, granted, ended up with having a great season after making a quarterback change for Michigan played him earlier this year, but rewarding teams from going out and scheduling a, a bunch of tougher opponents. So a one loss, you know, for, for one team versus an undefeated team, well, maybe that one loss means more versus the undefeated team who didn't schedule anybody. But the problem is that metric was never built in for the CFP, so they don't have to go off of that. So if you're Michigan and you're the top dog in the Big Ten and went undefeated and had a crappy non-conference. By the way, they scheduled themselves out of competitive non-conference games. They were going to have a home-and-home with UCLA these last two years, and they scheduled themselves out of it. For what reason? I'm not 100% sure, but look, they're playing right now, so it certainly didn't hurt them. So I would have hoped, and maybe we'll do this in future years, um, that you find a way to incentivize teams who actually challenge themselves in the non-conference so we actually get some quality matchups early in the season and don't have to worry about arguing about who played who and who had a weaker schedule when we get into bowl season. Maybe the college football playoff expansion, too, will help for some of the mid-level teams. Like I think if you're a team that projects that you're going to be somewhere between 5 and 15, then it makes sense. Hey, let's schedule a big game because that gives us an opportunity for the thing that gets us into the playoffs, right? But yeah. if you're Michigan right now sitting as the number one team in the country and playing well in this game, look, it was a perfect strategy to go through the easy schedule they went through. Absolutely worked out perfectly because for all the conversation we had about Florida State and Texas and Alabama and Washington, 
Washington, even at one point, remember Washington wasn't a top four team. The committee kept saying they wanted to see a more complete version of mm-hmm. Washington. We never seemed to question Michigan. It's just like they were like, nope, Michigan's good. Well, trust me, they're going into the college football playoff. Yeah, in the midst of there, and we can argue whether or not the Connor Stallion scandal was a big deal, wasn't a big deal or not, but even in the midst of that, didn't even come into consideration. Never affected Michigan standing whatsoever or what people's assumptions were about how good they were or why they were so good. Uh, you know, all those levels are, are just very interesting. But if you're a marquee brand and you're winning and winning convincingly at that, I think it would have been different if Michigan was skirting by a lot of these games. But, you know, they were routinely beating teams by 28, 30 points on a week in, week out basis for the better part of the first two, two and a half months of the season. Uh, so if you're going to slot them in to start the year at number one or to start the CFP at number one, they were hard to, to justify dropping them down when they had been so dominant as long as they had been. You mentioned the Connor Stallion scandal. Can I uh, can I give you a Michigan hot take? You ready for a Michigan Absolutely. hot take? Let's hear it. The asterisk is already there, and nothing <laughs> will change that. Yeah. And, and here's my logic on it, because like I'm a believer that once you start to have the conversation of should an asterisk exist, it does. Like nothing changes that. Like look back at the bubble, right? During the bubble, it was well, how do we value a bubble championship if the Lakers win it all? And then you think, well, they won it, and so we never really came to a conclusion on that. Yeah, we did, because every time we talk about the Lakers in this era, we're like, oh yeah, but the only championship they won was in the bubble. Like yep. you, you love the Dodgers. Like every single time we say, well, the Dodgers won, it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you know. Like you look at the cheating scandals we've seen, Deflate Gate. Uh, you can argue that every team across the league has underinflated footballs. It doesn't matter. Once we establish the asterisk conversation, nothing takes it away. It's, the Astros, it's, yep, in 2017. Uh, a hundred percent. That another perfect example. Maybe everybody's stealing signals. Maybe everybody's stealing signs. But also, you got caught. And and the minute that conversation starts, the crazy. It's it's just like social media. When somebody comes out and says something on social media, if it's incorrect, the correction never gets the attention the initial statement got. It's just mm-hmm. the way the world works. So unfortunately, if you're a Michigan fan, nothing is going to change the fact that just by asking the question. Should there be an asterisk with this Michigan season? That's already now happened. For the rest of time, if you are a Michigan hater, you're going to be like, yeah, but they were stealing signals. Like, like this, is, this is what's going to happen forever. It is to a certain degree, yes. And everybody outside of that program is going to say that. But the problem is everybody inside the program and the record books are going to show the same thing it shows for each and every last one of those champions you just talked about. You're still a champion. So they're going to say, we won the national championship. You can say whatever you want. By the way, we know everybody was stealing. And Ryan Day's brother worked for the law firm or whatever cockamamie excuse they use for like why they say that any Michigan fan tries to justify what Connor Stallions did. Everybody's going to try to justify a reason as to why things happened the way that they did. And the Houston Astros in 2017, the Dodgers in a 60-win regular season in baseball, the Lakers in a bubble situation, all those teams are always going to continue to say, our championship is valued as much as anybody else's and if you don't believe us check the record books and to a certain degree they're kind of always going to have scoreboard when it comes to that because the leagues themselves are not going to want to delegitimize any of their champions so they're not going to put an asterisk next to them in the record books so those fan bases and their supporters are always going to be able to say you can say whatever you want add as many yeah buts as you want the fact of the matter is we still won that championship and if michigan finds a way to win the cfp this year that's exactly what they're going to say
A hundred percent. You are th- you are a thousand percent right that Michigan fans, Michigan backers, college football record books, they're still going to show what they show. Like, and, and look, you can take the Heisman away from Reggie Bush all day long, but yep. you can't change our eyeballs. Like right. we know what we saw. Vacate so, all those wins, all that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, and you know, former players laugh at vacated wins. Truly laugh at vacated yeah. wins. It's like you can't vacate what I did on the field. Uh, there is a level of that that is absolutely true. I'm just saying that the qualifier never goes away for the for the other side, you know. And the other weird thing that for me, and this is just you know, when we were kids, you remember if you came in and, and your mom was yelling at you, and your mom was like, "Why'd you do this?" And you're like, "Well, yeah, but you know, Joey did this. Like mm-hmm. that was never an acceptable argument. There was never an acceptable, yeah, but this person did this." That's how college football fans argue about everything. Like you could come <laughs> yeah. in and say, "Oh man, well they were stealing signs, oh, oh, signals." Oh, oh yeah. Well, well, what about the the free incentives that were given over here? And oh well, yeah, but we found this guy over here, and everybody's cheating. So you know, it's like it is just the weirdest part of all of this. That it's, to me, it's a statement. Hey, Michigan was doing the following things. Stop. End of statement. That's it. All right, whatever else we want to say about punishment all the way across everybody else, cool. Like, we could start to investigate the entire Big Ten. I don't really give a damn. I'm just saying that if we're going to have the Michigan conversation, let it be just about Michigan and not about, well, everybody else is right. doing it too. Like, it's just, I, I don't care. College basketball has done that for years. Like, I grew up a UNLV fan and those 90s mm-hmm. teams that, that ended up getting the team in so much trouble. At the time in Vegas, they were like, well, everybody's paying players under the table. Oh, oh okay. Cool. Congratulations. If you know, if you, that doesn't change the fact that you got caught, and so right. this is now your punishment because you got caught. And by the way, the, everyone does it, and there's been m- many investigations and interviews and off the records and on the records. From everything that I've heard and said and read and spoken with people about it, no one has done what Michigan has done to that level, where you have a staffer traveling around to future opponents' games, buying tickets in the stands and videotaping to the level that he did it. Is there some level of stealing and sign stealing to a certain degree? Yes. But to that absolute level? I, don't, I haven't heard of any other program. Everybody, coaches who have spoken on the record and off the record are saying, like, nobody has ever thought of it doing until the level that they did it. Yeah, and they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar doing things that nobody has done to that level. This right. is just the inevitability. I was pretty surprised. I, I did some work because uh, my other job, for anyone that checks out Yahoo Sports, I, I do content for Yahoo, Yahoo Sports almost every day. And we did a national signing day uh, show with rivals. And I was pretty uh, I was pretty stunned when I was talking to Ross Dellinger, who covers college football for Yahoo. And I, I asked about the future of Harbaugh. And Dellinger said without hesitation that he's been told by people you know behind the scenes that the NCAA wasn't pleased with the first suspension from this year, that there's going to be more games added just for that suspension into next year. So remembering Mm -hmm. that the NCAA hasn't ruled on the recruiting violations during COVID, and then the NCAA hasn't ruled at all. Like the Big Ten ruled on what they thought of this sign-stealing issue, but the NCAA hasn't ruled at all. And and Ross made it clear that he still expects a massive punishment to come down from the NCAA to Michigan. It won't hit till next year, but it's just a reminder that whatever this ask conversation comes out of this it's not going anywhere no and it also brings up an interesting point because what does the future hold for Jim Harbaugh moving forward is he remaining at Michigan or is he going on to the NFL that's something that we can discuss as well by the way we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle RV boat ATV and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at Progressive.com 
Com. Talking about that Michigan situation with Jim Harbaugh. Yes, they're currently playing in the Rose Bowl against Alabama, about nine and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. Uh, they're tied at seven apiece. But what does the future hold for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? We'll talk. We'll discuss that next coming up here on Cavino and Rich. This is Kevin Figures and Jason Fitz filling in for the guys here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This league uncut. The new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And just like that, by way of a 38-yard touchdown pass, Michigan takes a 14-7 lead over Alabama in the Rose Bowl in the first game of the college football playoff. It's Gavino and Rich of Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Shortly after the show, the podcast goes up. If you missed any of the show, be sure to check out the pod. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to uh, follow, rate, review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your pods, and you'll see this show posted right after we get off the air. Kevin Figures, I'm Jason Fitz, in for the guys. 
And look, a couple of things here. A 38-yard touchdown pass puts Michigan ahead of Alabama, but maybe even more impressive right before then was a throwback play where they uh, they toss sweep. The quarter, the running back throws back to J.J. McCarthy, who heaves the ball up. It's a nice completion, but J.J. got just knocked a you-know-what. Like It was straight out of the movie. Friday, you know how that goes. <laughs> he gets just blasted into the ground, somehow gets himself up, and then a couple of plays later throws a nice little touchdown pass. Kudos to J.J. McCarthy for even being able to survive the hit he took. Can't question his toughness. That's one thing. And people were making jokes about him. He has his meditation routine before the games and whether or not he's a big game quarterback. Remember how he played last season against TCU and had some big turnovers in this situation. So far, he came to play. And he's balling his ass off now. They did muff the, uh, the snap on the extra point. So the, the margin is now 13-7 to seven for Michigan over Alabama. That one point can end up looming large, so we'll see what happens there. But another impressive drive for Michigan. We talked about their first scoring drive was a 10-play drive that covered 75 yards. This one, 8 plays, 83 yards. I, I, 75 look, yards and 83 yards on this Alabama defense so far. By the way, uh, Figgy being wildly professional and getting the information right with the 13-7 instead of 14-7, kudos to you. I, I think the other – I'm just going to give you a number here that I think speaks to what we've watched so far in the game while we've been on air. Total yards for Michigan, 199. Total yards for Alabama, 39. They have two first downs, one and two passing, 28 rushing yards. They're averaging two yards a rush right now. I mean – this Alabama offense has looked absolutely abysmal against this Michigan defense. And uh, you and I said it early, I'm going to double down on it at 13-7. I-, I think that there's a little pressure on both sides. Earlier we were talking about, hey, Michigan can't afford to fall down here. They were down 7 nothing. We said, man, they can't afford to go down double digits. That's going to mess up their offense. Well, Michigan's offense is in flow. They got no problem. It's Alabama that now needs to worry about falling down double digits because nothing is coming easily for Jalen Milrow or this offense overall. Now, how about Jalen Milrow, one of two passing for 11 yards. And I'll just tell you something, folks. He's had more than two dropbacks. That's how much pressure has been in his face right now from that Michigan defensive front. We know that Michigan defense was excellent, but we also thought that Alabama offensive line that came on towards the end of the season would be able to hold their own. And so far, they're getting absolutely dominated up front, and it's not even close. And J.J. McCarthy, talks, since we're talking stat lines, 9-14, of 14, 115 yards and two touchdowns. Not bad. Not bad at all. J.J. McCarthy is interesting to me. And During the break, I was texting a couple of my buddies, one that covers the draft and one that's a massive Michigan fan, asking this question. Like, is J.J. McCarthy going to – like, is he a legit NFL starting quarterback to you, Figgy? Like, do you watch him – I'm not putting him in the same category as the top three. So let's just – let's make that clear. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels go into a different category. But there are a bunch of teams between picking between, let's say, seven and 17 that need a quarterback. Is J.J. McCarthy going to – end up being somebody that somebody banks on to run their franchise? That's difficult. I would say coming into this game, I would not have said that because he just hasn't had enough. He's been carried by, and it sounds it's unfair to him to say that he's been carried by a great running game and a defense, but let's be honest, there really haven't been a lot of games where J.J. McCarthy has really had to show out and show that he can make a lot of big throws when necessary. Now he's done it. He had a couple in that Ohio State game, and so far he's played extremely well against Alabama, and I think he's one of those guys whose resume can absolutely be elevated by how he plays uh, in these two playoff games potentially if they hold on and get a victory because from a measurable standpoint and I'm sure your NFL draft guy will tell you he fits that he's what a legit 6'4 210 pounds whatever it is he fits the physical profile you just wonder if he has the the intangibles the juice to be able to lead a team as a number one quarterback I wouldn't say as of now yes but look 
that that narrative can be changed based on how he plays today. And if so, when they get a victory today, how he ends up playing next Monday night as well. We'll see. Doesn't this at some point lead into the Harbaugh conversation, though? Mm. Like when you think about where Harbaugh is going to end up, I saw a mock draft the other day that had the Bears taking J.J. McCarthy first overall. And I was like, well, that's just stupid. That's stupid. But then I I read the why and whoever was doing the mock was like, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to take this job and he's going to pick it first overall. Like, I don't know if Harbaugh is going to take a job where he doesn't have complete control over the quarterback situation. Like, it seems like if Harbaugh is going to leave for the NFL, that a place like the Chargers where you have Justin Herbert makes a lot of sense, right? Like, we can all agree on that. But if he's going to take a job that doesn't have a quarterback, nobody in the country would know J.J. McCarthy better than Jim Harbaugh. And no one would know how to succeed at the NFL level with a quarterback who had a lot of questions, Alex Smith at the time, then Jim Harbaugh. He was damaged goods when he got that job at San Francisco. Now, granted, Alex Smith at years before was the first overall pick in the draft and just needed to have some consistency. But Colin Kaepernick at Nevada was a really good player. I don't know if anybody saw him turning into what he was under Jim Harbaugh during his short tenure in San Francisco. The issue is, I'm sure Jim Harbaugh has been around long enough to know I could probably get better value for J.J. McCarthy than actually drafting him in the top three of the draft. You could probably get him, even if he ends up climbing up boards. We kind of know who the favorites are at this point in time. And look, there are late risers that happen. You know, RG3 was a guy that jumped up kind of out of nowhere in his final season at Baylor uh, to become the second overall pick in the draft behind Andrew Luck, so it can happen. But, I mean, we've been so locked in and talking about Drake May and Caleb Williams throughout the course of the season. I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody, even Jaden Daniels, who's rising up boards now. I'd be hard-pressed to see that J.J. McCarthy almost regardless of what he does here in the playoff, jumping over those three guys in the pecking order at quarterback in the first round. So this becomes really interesting to me. I want to ask you one specific destination question. But first, uh, let's, why don't we get some update? We'll get an update here. Hit me with what's trending, and then we'll come in. Yeah, well, what's trending is this a Rose Bowl matchup. We're in the final three minutes of the first half, 2.57 to go specifically. Michigan, a 13-7 lead over Alabama. The Crimson Tide did get out to an early 7-0 lead after scoring after a muffed punt by Michigan set them up on a short field. But since then, it's been all Wolverines. I mentioned a 10-play, 75-yard drive that culminated with a Blake Corum touchdown reception. Michigan, on their last offensive possession, got a Tyler Morris third. 38-yard touchdown reception from J.J. McCarthy. They did miss the extra point, so it is currently 13-7 to Michigan over Alabama. The Tide do have the ball just past midfield. Earlier today, as a matter of fact, let's look ahead, by the way, to tonight because we have the other CFP matchup coming up at 845 Eastern Texas facing Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Now back to scores from earlier today with Oregon with a victory over Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl at 45-6. to Bo Nix, five touchdown passes, 363 yards through the air. LSU with a comeback victory. Speaking of Jaden Daniels, he was on the sideline but did not play in this game. Did not matter. The Tigers a 35-31 victory over Wisconsin. Tennessee a 38 or I should say 35. I don't want to give them three extra points there, Iowa Sam. 35 to nothing <laughs> victory <laughs> over, uh, over Iowa. Yeah, You're welcome. We'll move on to some news out of the NFL. Kyle Shanahan announcing about an hour ago that Christian McCaffrey will miss the 49ers season finale against the Rams as he nurses a mild calf injury. The injury is mild. McCaffrey should be ready to go for the divisional playoff matchup in a few weeks. Someone who will not be able to go, unfortunately for the Dolphins, is defensive end Bradley Chubb. He is out for the remainder of the season after suffering a torn ACL in their loss to Baltimore yesterday. Eagles receiver Devontae Smith suffered what's been called a mild ankle sprain after their loss to Arizona 
but it is not believed to be serious. At the Winter Classic earlier in the NHL, the Kraken defeating the Golden Knights 3-0. In the NBA, the Knicks beating the Timberwolves 112-106. 39 points and 9 rebounds from Julius Randle. OG Ananobi, 17 points for the Knicks in his debut with New York. Back to Gavino and Rich. He's Kevin Figures. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for the guys. Cavino and Rich on Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. We were just talking about Harbaugh and J.J. McCarthy and J.J. McCarthy having, in a, heck, having a heck of a game so far. And just I'll just ask you this one scenario because we've certainly seen plenty of reports about we are both, for anyone that doesn't listen to the fellas, uh, Figgy and I are both Raiders fans. Seen plenty of reports of, oh, Harbaugh and the Raiders because of Mark Davis's relationship with Harbaugh, all of these different things. If I told you that it was Harbaugh with the Raiders and a mid-round, first-round pick goes to J.J. McCarthy, you buying that? I'd buy it because I trust Jim Harbaugh and his ability to build a team. I would not be necessarily the biggest fan of J.J. McCarthy, especially in the first round, especially at that point in the first round. But I'm a believer in Jim Harbaugh and his way and his ability to build a program, to build an element of toughness, which, by the way, I think Antonio Pierce has kind of done to a small degree with the Raiders in the, in the mini turnaround they've had this last month with him at the helm. I think you can fortify that even more with someone like Jim Harbaugh. So I would take Harbaugh even knowing that he was going to draft J.J. McCarthy because I have belief that he'd be able to turn that program around. I feel like if you are if you're hiring Harbaugh and he's drafting McCarthy, you have to trust him because right. I mean otherwise why did he get the job? Like right. that has to be part of it. But this all raises an interesting question only because you know me, I'm looking at Tankathon every single week. Oh, right? yeah. Like and if you look at Tankathon right now, the Bears have the first overall pick in the draft, then Washington, then New England, right? So you could make the argument if you believe the Bears are going to move on from Justin Fields, I feel like it's pretty sure that Washington and New England are going to take quarterbacks at two and three. And in fact, you got the Giants picking after them. Uh, you've got the Titans picking not far after them. Let's see what they think of Will Levis. You've got Atlanta in the top 10. Uh, there are going to be teams that are offering a King's ransom to try and move up to get one of these top quarterbacks. I just don't know if there's anything that's going to get some of these teams to move off of Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. Like if you're in love with one of those guys, I think you, you probably have to take them. So it's going to be really interesting because for many teams in the NFL right now, fan bases are saying, we'll trade up. I don't think you'll be able to get a team to trade that far down. So you better start falling in love with J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, and be able to convince yourself that, you know, we can find our, our diamond in the rough. We can find our, uh, you know, the Brock Purdy type, you know, someone like that. Now, not necessarily someone who's undrafted or taken in the sixth or seventh round, but belief in your system of being able to develop somebody because, to your point, and are you, gonna, are you going to want to trade away the King's Ransom for the top overall pick or even a top three pick after you saw what you saw this year for Bryce Young? Doesn't mean Bryce Young's not going to be a good player. I still have faith in him. I still think the infrastructure around him, he was set up to fail, and I think he'll end up being a good player. But if you look at Carolina, like what's the light at the end of the tunnel? It's the old Mike D'Antoni saying it's a train coming because they don't have a first-round pick the next couple of seasons. So they, really, the, 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 only, the panacea for them is trying to find a head coach who can kind of rebuild this thing from scratch and not having a first-round pick or second-round pick to work with. So that's, that's a tough proposition for you if you're a team like the Raiders or like Tennessee or if you're like in a middling in the middle of the first round somewhere and you want to try to trade up for what you believe is a franchise-changing quarterback, are you willing to trade away three number ones and two number threes and whatever else it's going to take to do it? I don't know if I'm willing to do that. I, I had somebody tell me the other day that it would take a historic trade to move up to one. 
historic. Wow. So whatever you know, whatever we think, it's more than that. By the way, huge sack from Michigan as the first half is coming to a close. Uh, there was a third down in field goal range. Michigan absolutely levels Milrow. We'll see what it means as it brings up a fourth down uh, near the end of the first half. And the Michigan defense coming up huge, trying to prevent some points here. We'll keep you updated on the Rose Bowl as there's eight seconds left in the first half. And they now face a fourth and ten. Uh, but still, you know, deep field goal. Right? I, I think they're keeping the offense out. We'll keep you updated on that. I think Harbaugh, to the conversation we're having, would have to be part of any team that trades up a coach like Harbaugh. Because you make such a solid point about Bryce Young and what is now going to be a life of, you know, a revolving door around him. I really genuinely believe if you're going to trade a King's Ransom that changes your team's outlook for the next three or four years, you better have a coach that is unfireable for the next three or four years. Like, you better have somebody there that absolutely cannot be let go. Because otherwise, if the results are bad, you don't have a first-round pick, you don't have a way to fix it. So it it takes the hiring of a hardball that you're going to give four, five, six years anyway. It takes that level of patience if you're going to trade up for somebody. Yeah, and, and so the fear is, I don't think this would happen with Jim uh, in particular. The only issue with Jim, and this happened in San Francisco, is that he's seen as someone who wears on people and wears out his welcome relatively quickly and you know, winning cures all. And he was winning in San Francisco. They were, I guess for their standards, somewhat mediocre his last year there. Uh, and they ultimately ended up taking the general manager over him. And that's what precipitated his, his move to go back uh, to the Big Ten with, uh, with Michigan. By the way, Alabama did just convert on a field goal, so it's 13-10 to 10 with seven Seven seconds remaining in the first half of the Rose Bowl. You'd assume, unless there's some sort of epic kick return, that's likely going to be our halftime score. Uh, but the fear is something like what happened with the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, where they gave him a long-term deal and it got so toxic and so bad, you had to fire him, and you're eating a bunch of money. I'm a, my, my fear is you trade away a bunch of assets, trade up for a guy that doesn't end up being the next regime's guy, but you have nowhere to move. Now you're paying a coach not to coach, you have to pay a new coach, and you don't have any assets to build, build with. But also you have to ask the question, is it worth the risk? I would say for someone like Jim Harbaugh, who has a who has a documented record of success, that risk is well worth it, as opposed to someone like, say, a uh, who I mentioned a second ago, Josh McDaniels, who obviously did not have a run of success and things petered out pretty quickly, as they did his first year uh, turnaround with Denver. I mean, I don't think we've seen a team with less long-term hope in recent NFL memory than the Carolina Panthers. Right. They have an owner that's obviously trash. I mean, let's just be real. You're throwing drinks at fans. Come on, man. I mean, and and let's be if a if a player did that, if a coach did that, if a GM did that, if an actual employee of a team in any way, shape, not not friends and family, but an actual employee of a team did that in any way, shape, or form, there would be a punishment that came down with the thunder of the gods, right? And so I I think the NFL should do that. Frankly, I, I would support the NFL suspending David Tepper for a year and just saying, hey, you can't even walk into your stadium if you're going to be that way because you represent the league. But that being said, you got a terrible owner. You have a, a team that has does not have enough talent. The very things that they traded away to get Bryce Young are the things that they need to see if Bryce Young can be good. And in the process, they don't have a first-round pick at all next year. So right. whatever coach takes that job is taking that job with one hand tied behind their back from the outset. Yeah. 
that's difficult. I mean, who look? I say who wants that job? We always say there's only 32 of them. Someone's going to end up taking it. But if it's if it's going to be somebody reputable, I mean, Bill Belichick's name has come up in the past. I mean, is he going to want to sign up for that mess? Jim Harbaugh hasn't been linked to Carolina. I don't think he'd want to go there either. Especially you mentioned the ownership being so important in situations like this too. It's probably going to end up being a Ben Johnson type who might end up being a great head coach. I don't know. I know he's a good offensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions, but you're off to a bad start if you're David Tepper. This is what, year five, I think, since he's purchased the team, and he's already had three head coaches since then. It's just a bad start. And, you know, that this is what happens with bad ownership in the NFL and the lack of patience, which, you know, goes to your point when talking about Jim Harbaugh. And really, the best teams in the NFL are the ones who, who hire a guy and allow him to, to let his program come to fruition. The San Francisco 49ers, people think that Kyle Shanahan just hit the ground running from day one. He didn't. He won, like, what, four games in year one, I think six games in year two, and then it eventually took off. you got to be able to have patience and give these guys time to develop their programs. I'm not saying whether or not Frank Reich could have been able to do that in Carolina or not, but three head coaches in a five-year period, it certainly is a lot, and it makes sense that Carolina's in the, the predicament that they're in right now. You're listening to Cavino and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. He's Kevin Figures. I'm Jason Fitzsimmons for the guys. And uh, just to update you on the Rose Bowl, it's 13 to 10 right now. Uh, I, I got a tweet from a guy named Mark. Okay, Mark has tweeted me like 25 times. Uh, number one, Mark, stop. Just, just get a life. Okay, just stop. Just stop because he's trying to make this conversation very weird. But he just said, "You guys both said Michigan couldn't get a passing game going. You guys said JJ had not done that. Are you guys now saying you told us so? Ha ha ha, Mark. Man, I can't help if you're too stupid to listen. So let me say it clearly for you in a way that you can understand, okay? Neither of us expected that Michigan would be able to pass the ball against this this Alabama defense because Michigan hasn't done that well, particularly over the course of the year. We've also been saying throughout the course of this game that it's a surprise here and it puts Alabama in a situation where they're now going to have to figure out how to match point for point. Have I made that clear enough that Mark can understand it? I hope so because at some point, man, when you're like on your 30th tweet, I run out of patience, Figgy. This is like, I'm a nice guy. Right. I'm a nice guy. And Mark has tested my patience. Today. Like, I don't like blocking people. He's also people. sent me pictures of him. Like, I don't need oh, Mark, geez. I don't need to see your picture, man. Like, I don't, don't want to see your picture. Some glamour shots? Is that what's going on here? They're not glamour. <laughs> They're not glamour. <laughs> just we, look, we and we said it. We acknowledge it. He hasn't had to do it all season long. I said he made some big throws against Ohio State. I acknowledge that. And I said, look, if he plays as well as he's playing, he could be shooting up draft boards. We didn't expect it. We acknowledge that. We never yeah. said that he was trash and he couldn't throw. He couldn't throw a four pass. We didn't say that. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I just don't know what to do with this guy. I, you know, I, I try not to let it get to me, Figgy. I do. Uh-huh. I try to rise above. I try to rise above. But man, I'm getting like all these like he's talking about all these weird political things, and like I'm not well, smart enough to know go. any of that stuff. Like yeah. I'm barely smart enough to understand football and music, two things that I have made a living at. Like I get, <laughs> I, you're hitting me with political terms I don't understand, Mark, and 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 pictures like. A grown man should never send another man a selfie on Twitter. That's all I'm – just, just rules of the road. That's, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, we got plenty to get to. We need to make sure that we get you updated, of course, on the game. We'll keep you updated on it. Plus, for all this conversation about what's going to happen in the draft, there is one conversation that has to happen right now in Chicago, and I don't think there's an easy answer to it. We'll figure it out next. Camino and Rich, it's Kevin Figures and Jason Fitz filling in for the guys on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. JJ back to pass, looking, fires over the middle. He's got his man. That's Tyler Morris. First down, Tyler Morris down the sideline to the end zone. Tyler Morris is touchdown. He's in on third and 10. Learfield Radio on the call. Michigan up 13-10. That's your progressive play of the day. Brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I know what you're thinking. These aren't the sweet, sultry tones of Covino and Rich. You're right. I'm Jason Fitz. He's Kevin Figures. We're in for the guys coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Uh, Figgy, is, we've been keeping everybody updated. As you just heard there, 13-10 is the score. Uh, right now, a missed extra point looming large for Michigan, but they've been mostly in, in control of this game against Alabama. Uh, Fox Sports Radio will keep everybody updated all night long. 
I wanted to ask you about what I think is one of the trickier situations the entire NFL is facing right now, and it's the Bears and Justin Fields. Because I, I, there's two different sides to this. One, what do the Bears do? But two, what does the rest of the league do? Like, I, I have to believe that Justin Fields, at, at the very least, has played himself into a starting job somewhere. But it means you'd have to trade for him, probably give up some sort of draft compensation. And in the process, you'd have one year before you have to pick up his option. So you'd have to quickly make a decision. But I just can't believe that Justin Fields hasn't played well enough to get a shot somewhere to take that next step, right? Yeah, that's the difficult part. You know, he's definitely redeemed himself. In that Look, he's not as refined of a pocket passer, but if you built the offense around his talents to be able to run the ball and have enough weapons around him, I mean, look, I mean, look at what he and D.J. Moore did yesterday, and that's not the first time that's happened over the last month or so. They've really turned the corner offensively. If you build the offense around his talent and skill set and, and, and surround him with guys who can make plays, he's shown that he's capable of being a solid starting NFL quarterback. Now, the question is also for, for the Chicago Bears, because they have all the draft capital in the world at the top of the draft specifically. Have you convinced yourself that he's good enough to build around, and do you use those picks to fortify what you're doing, draft an offensive lineman or draft another receiver, and try to use him to build around, or do you say, look, we've seen this guy for the first couple of years of his career. He's kind of hit his ceiling. We know what he is. Let's move on and get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May and use the other first-round pick to bring in somebody else, trade him away, and get more assets. It's not an easy question to answer. Uh, if I'm if I am a fan of a quarterback-starved team, which I am, let's use the our uh, Las Vegas Raiders as an example. Would he be someone I'd be willing to trade away draft capital for? He being Justin Fields at this point in time, I would say no. I'd much rather try to take take a flyer on somebody that I can draft and not have to give up capital in the draft to try to bring him in because I feel like I've already seen to a certain degree what his ceiling is, and I think he's a solid. Uh, above, slightly above average starting NFL quarterback, but not necessarily a difference maker. What's stunning about the Bears is they're seven and nine. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a team that we were looking at at one point, saying, "Oh my God, they, they're going to have the first two picks in the draft because right. Carolina, they're going to have the first two picks." And now they, as of today, according to Tankathon, they have the first pick and the tenth pick. That could change a little bit depending on the outcomes, obviously next weekend. But they're seven and nine. This is a team that has a shot at. Eight and nine, depending on what happens in their season finale against Green Bay. Tough game. Uh, but the Bears are, are playing well right now. They've won four of their last five games, and their only loss was to Cleveland. Like, right. I just, I, I'm looking at the Bears team specifically, and I'm saying, like, they're closer to being fixed than they are broken. Right. And it's rare to see a team picking first overall coming off a seven and nine season. Like, it would be tempting, no matter what, to run it back with Justin Fields. I just, I think that the complication here is it's the first overall pick, and there are two quarterbacks that people are absolutely in love with. Right. Like, put yourself in a situation. Remember when the Colts, when they drafted Andrew Luck, they had that one in fifteen season because Peyton Manning got injured, but it wasn't as if they had like zero talent whatsoever on that roster. Andrew Luck comes in his rookie season, and I think by year two they were in the AFC Championship game. Like, they really didn't miss much of a beat because they brought in a difference maker at quarterback who made a difference day one on a roster that wasn't devoid of talent. The Bears are not devoid of talent. The question you have to ask yourself if you're Chicago is, is Justin Fields the guy that's going to carry us to where we want to go in this division, knowing that we have Jared Goff and that Lions team is not going anywhere anytime soon. If Jordan Love continues to progress the way that he's progressing, Green Bay is on the come as well. And who knows what Minnesota ends up doing, but we love uh, Kevin O'Connell as a head coach and what he can do offensively. So that's the question you have to ask yourself. If Caleb Williams or Drake May you see as like a generational type of quarterback, or who you think you can coach up to be better than Justin Fields and if that's all you're missing you know how can you not draft one of those guys and try to ship off Justin Fields somewhere else I think you have to 
Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a tough part about playing well right now, but still having this luxury is that like this, it, it's great that they've found a, a sort of a, a moment together and they found a rhythm together as a team and a player. I, I, that's spectacular for everybody involved. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's alarming to me that we were ready to fire Eberflus. And now, I mean, that, that's not happening, right? So you, you look at the Chicago team and you say, man, okay, you've done everything the right way. But when you're picking first and 10th, if you have the shot at getting somebody you think is truly that guy, like Andrew Luck good, if you have the shot at that person, you take that person. If you have a shot at what you think is going to be somebody as impactful as Joe Burrow, you take that person, and you're still going to be sitting there with the 10th overall pick where in this year's draft you could take one of the best offensive linemen, you could take one of the best wide receivers. Like There are other people that can help you still sitting at 10. Like I, They're sitting with the luxury of riches. By the way, they also have some money to spend next year. So Plenty. if I'm Chicago, I, I got to look at this and say, man, I, this is our opportunity, especially if they do draft a quarterback. Let's reset the value on that. Let's change the quarterback position, spend the rest of our money aggressively, ship out Justin Fields, draft somebody else at 10, and then we're still building on what we have, which is the rest of a roster that looks pretty good. And DJ Moore, by the way, uh-huh. would be a hell of a get for a young quarterback. You're Ryan Poles in that front office. You're never good. This might be the biggest offseason and the very short tenure that he's had in Chicago that he's going to have because there are a multitude of uh, opportunities here to improve this roster and make a leap. I mean, you mentioned there's seven, they have seven wins that could potentially get eight. I mean, they can win that division potentially next year if things break their way and they and they handle this offseason properly. This is going to be a humongous offseason for Ryan Poles in that front office. Yeah, and the, the weirdest part about all of that is that Chicago has gone from feeling absolutely lost a month into the season to feeling like a team with all the momentum in the world. Fox Sports Radio going to have all the momentum for you throughout the course of the night. Don't go anywhere. Obviously, uh, we'll keep you updated uh, throughout the course of this game and throughout the course of the entire evening. As by the end of the night, we'll know who's playing for the national championship next week in Houston. If you've enjoyed us, so I hope you have, hang out with us on Saturday mornings for the fellas where Anthony Gargano and us uh, hang out with you every week. Thanks for letting us take over. He's Kevin Figures. I'm Jason Fitz. This has been Cavino and Rich. Have a great New Year's. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? 
You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.